Hi, everyone. I'm Theophany, alcoholic addict. Um, I have uh, 119 days today, so it's it's been a journey. And um, my first basically experience with alcohol was when I was 21, when I turned 21. And I would basically just drink every day. And I would be drinking champagne in the morning in my Starbucks cup. And that would be my, that would be my thing. I would just drink it all day and go to volleyball practice, be kind of plastered there and just run around and do all that. So it just got kind of old after a while because I was just the oldest one on the team and I was just not having it. So I kind of transferred to marijuana and I would be, just doing that smoking and that would be another just terrible thing that I would just be doing to myself. And, um, how I got into AA was, um, I just recently lost my daughter to, um, her father in a custody battle. So I just had to honestly just cut it cold Turkey November 28th, 2021 was my day that I decided to just stop everything. And um, my lawyer actually recommended me to go to AA. So I just kind of took it, took it by the reins and just went in all out. Like I just went on meetings two, three, four times a day, morning and evening, and sometimes during the afternoon. And it honestly transformed my life a complete 180 because I have a job at Lowe's and I love working in the garden department, watering. It's so fulfilling to me. And I get to see my daughter on Saturdays for an hour. And those, those experiences for me, just being with her completely sober, not numbing myself to whatever has happened to me with her father, because we were in a very abusive relationship. So um, I'm just kind of just 100% grateful that I'm, I'm here and I'm sharing my experience because it was, it was a long journey and just being 31 and just being sober today and I'm going to keep on being sober because I just take day by day. It's, it's a daily thing for me. So I say the serenity prayer whenever I'm feeling kind of like in the mood to just pick up, but I just don't because it just ruined my life basically because my daughter was the most important thing to me and I lost it just because of my selfishness I lost her to my selfishness and now that I'm a completely just different person and I'm just going through life trying to be the best mom I can be for her it's just it's a great feeling to know that I can just be there for her 100% instead of just being there 50% or 25% whenever I was just using or drinking or just not being there for her. So now that she's only 14 months and she's just walking around, she has her molars that I saw today. It was just, it's just amazing to be a part of this fellowship because it's, it's life-changing really like I don't know how to explain it my higher power has been guiding me and it's it's an amazing an amazing journey to just 
experience feeling again because I wasn't feeling anything and I was just numbing it every day. And now that I'm able to feel my anxieties, my depression, my happiness, my excitement, it's just amazing to me that I'm feeling again. And yeah, my court day is in April. I have, a, I have four more weeks and that I just have to keep it day by day, just staying serene and clean. So that's basically my, my whole story. And I'm just grateful to be here, honestly. Thank you so much. Hello, everybody. I'm Larry, and I'm an alcoholic. And um, Theo, I want to thank you for stepping up and being the good young sister that you are to me and being the, you know, earlier speaker. Um, you know, everyone says, and I'm one of them too, that, you know, I'm not really into drunk logs, but I've been in the room for a long time. I've been in the rooms probably for over 30, 40 years, but I have 14, this is my 15th year of recovery, and I've had some time before, but I don't really consider it time, and the reason why I don't is because if you're still lying to yourself in AA, and you're not really working a serious program, and if you, if you guys remember the part of, that the guy just read about more about alcoholism, then, you know, the idea has to be smashed. Because see that little reading within there? If I could drink like a gentleman, I use that right there to relapse 20 times, whatever, 10 times, 55,000 times. I don't know. All I know is that every time I ended up back in AA, and I've been to rehabs, and I had a good job at a communications company, so I was like, oh, well, you know, you could do this every year, go to rehab. Now, who thinks that but an alcoholic, right? And I went twice. And, you know, it's a lot of money to spend to have to go to end up in AA. But um, I'll just give you guys a little bit of my back history. I was born in Florida, um, where I was born at. It was an area that, you know, there was racism, but I didn't know racism until I went up to New York. You know, that's when I understood it. I don't know why, but down in Alabama, I didn't have any problems. But um, what happened is my mom came and got me from down with my aunt and everything and uncle. And I was a farm boy. I was a guy that, you know, a kid that, you know, I'd done everything that you do on a farm, planted, plowed go to the slaughterhouse, a whole nine yards. It was great. Go fishing in the creek and catching catfish, you know, and all that stuff. And I loved it. And then when I was brought to New York, it was like I was brought kind of to an area or location of where we were very poor. We were on social services. My father was very violent. Um, he actually killed a man, the son, drunk driving and he was killed by a drunk driver. And he was in and out of Greenhaven Prison in New York. And he used to beat up my mom a lot. And my mom, I'm not going to tell you that, like she was an angel or not, because she was very promiscuous. So, you know, and, but there's nothing gives a man a right to put his hands on a woman or vice versa. 
And today, me, I will never put my hand on a woman. I just, and men to do it, you know, whatever, that's a you know, conversation for a different time. But um, what happened is that I come up and I had to get used to this being in this New York state of mind. And like I said, I didn't know racism. I didn't know all this different stuff. And I'm getting integrated into it. And it was like horrific because I didn't understand it. I was like, what is, what is the problem here, you know? And like my best friends were people of different nationalities and colors and stuff, and they still are today. And as I started to grow up, what happened is that I ended up being best friends with this Italian guy. His name was Frankie. We actually met in school because I went into a foster home from the age of about 8 to 12 or somewhere in that vicinity. Because I know that when I got back home, we moved like from Bayshore, New York, and we moved into Lake Grove. No, no, no. We moved into Central Islip. And then I ended up into Job Corps. And when I ended up going to Job Corps, I done all the things that you're not supposed to do. I look like the real, really good, you know, perfect young man, but I was doing everything that an underworld character would do, you know. And, you know, it was a limit to what I could do, but it was selling food and cigarettes and, you know, drugs and stuff like that and alcohol. And I was supposed to get a degree. I did get the degree. I was supposed to get my GED, but I never got that because I was too busy being a little in my head gangster. And I was always a loner. But for some reason, you know, I had a few guys that would follow after me and I put up this persona as being a tough guy, but really inside I'm a real easy, softy kind of person. So once I come out of there, now, you know, it's during the time where if you guys remember with the Superfly thing where they were at the ending where they're like shooting drugs and stuff like that, heroin and all. And I never done any of that stuff, but I was more looking at it as if to be, and I know this is alcohol and I'm going to not be on this long, but here I am coming out and remember at a certain time for the older people in AA, they had the fur coats and all this other stuff. And some people with the long trench coats acting like you're a tough or whatever. And I almost got mugged by group of guys that honestly i believe if i wasn't like kind of where my friends seen what was going on i probably wouldn't even be talking to you guys right now i'd probably either be a wet brain or killed or something because my brother happened to get murdered in the same area where these guys were trying to take me to so what happened is i ended up um meeting this girl and I was 16 and she was 14 and you know I ended up falling in love my first real girlfriend and you know we got pregnant very young so we had to go to family court to get married and when my brother got murdered right down the block from me that's when I feel like I kind of had like a nervous breakdown and I just didn't really know, you know, I, I didn't understand stuff like that. And I started drinking a lot and I started really like just trying to get away from reality. And I actually suffered 
and folks, I'll tell you this, please, if you're going through something mentally, go to a therapist and stuff because don't suffer for all those years because it's not going to go away. It's going to be there. But, you know, you're going to hear an AA, this too shall pass, and it will pass. It's just get some help, you know. And it says right in the beginning of the big book and the prefaces and stuff like that, you know, we're not doctors, we're not lawyers, we're not Indian chiefs and all that. Go to the professionals. And here, if people tell you, oh, you know, don't take such and such meds, they are not doctors. Do not listen to a damn thing that they say. Do what the doctor tells you. Follow the instructions that you are told because we will get you killed up in here. And I'm not trying to be mean or whatever, but we're not psychiatrists. We're not lawyers. We, you know, we are not therapists at all. So, just to go on with where I'm at, I took and I really went into the troves of drinking badly. I'm talking about real bad. And I think it was like a dark spot between when I got divorced at 22 and when I probably woke up again around the office, you see, at 31 or something. And I ended up with a really good job and I got fired from a job once too because I was drinking and stuff, you know. And you would think that once getting fired, and, and this is the truth, and I don't knock anyone that recycles or whatever it is, nothing wrong with that. But I literally used to have to collect cans to take and eat and to buy my drugs or my drink and stuff, you know. And I was, I think, one level below a hobo. So, you know, that's just how it was. And I lived in that same friend Frankie's house, his father's house. And, you know, we were like, because um, it's Frankie's father, we wasn't kind of squatting, but we were, you know, in our own way. And then um, I met this um, woman from the West Indies. Her name was Michelle. And... I was very promiscuous between that 22 up to like the office age and, you know, 31. And what happened is I was very ashamed of myself because I was so angry. I was like, why did my wife leave me? And that's another story for another day. You guys don't need to listen to all that drama stuff. But what happened is that when I met this wife, I ended up getting a good job at a communications company. I helped a brother get a good job that he retired from. We went from being crackheads to people that were working good jobs and being, you know, doing the right thing. Once when I was in Queens, I was hanging out where it was me by myself, one black guy hanging out with about 15 white guys and we were getting high and all this stuff and inside my bag or wherever I had coke because we had went up to Washington Heights and gotten it. And when I'm going home, because I'm trying to get there, because it was around the holidays, all of a sudden there's like about maybe six, seven cops. They just fling me up against the wall and stuff. And because we were all running to the train station because they're showing me the way. And how they did not find that cocaine today, I don't know. But the guys were like, why are you doing this to him? You know, you're racially profiling. He's the only black person here. Well, he fit the description, this and that. 
And one guy's like, well, my father's their father-in-law is this big shot. And what's your badge? And I'm and all that. And all of a sudden now I'm being treated nice. It didn't matter. I should have, like in New York, they had Rockefeller laws. So I could have been in prison for 20 years as opposed to retiring from a communications company after 29 years. So what happened is through this whole thing of dealing with AA and all, I've seen, I can't tell you guys that I've seen the light because I'm lying. And more about alcoholism, I kept being that gentleman that was going to go out there and just prove you freaking wrong. I tried drinking Old Duels. I tried drinking Nia beer. I tried drinking, you know, with Sam I Am, eating green eggs and ham. I tried every damn thing you could think of to try to be a sociable drinker. None of it worked. And when I came back in here, which is what I really like to talk to you guys about, because I've been in other rooms a lot. You know, and I'm not suggesting it to a newcomer because can I tell you something? Since I've been in this program, I know people that's buried their 13 year old kid. I know people that's buried their 18 year old kid. I know people that's buried their 67 year old father. I know people that's buried their 30 year old daughter. This this disease doesn't care about you. It does not give a damn. And if you can sit back and say, oh, you know, something, look at me, I'm only 35 or I'm only 26. And I, you know, something, a guy in New York bought his kid a car, a brand new Corvette. And he died the same night that he bought it for him. Drunk driving, speeding, stuff like that. When I was coming back from Foxwood one night with me and my friends from a trip, we seen intestines and a guy laying through a windshield and all this other kind of stuff going on. Drunk driving. I was sent into a school during the time that I got my first DUI. And I'm not going to give anyone any heads up on anything. If you go, if you get a DWI, you deserve it. And that's the end of it. So all I'm just saying to you is that I watched a lot of videos and I seen people's families being killed and all kinds of stuff. And none of that stopped me. It stopped me from driving, though. You know what I'm saying? But it didn't stop me from drinking. So this time when I came in, this guy, Lance, working at this communications company, and he and this lady, Patty, for some reason they took interest in me. And, and like my sister-in-law says to me, today she says you know where do you get some of these people from and i'm not talking about you guys i'm talking about just some of the people in my life because i'm just you know one of those misfits that finds me some other misfits you know and what happened is he and patty says to me they say um do you have a drink of rum and first off you know you're gonna ask me if i have a drink of rum like who are you to be asked for me if I have a drink problem? Yeah, I have a drink problem. <laughs> but I only drink at 6 o'clock every day, and I drink at home. And if you smell it, it's from yesterday. And why are you up in my business? Well, have you tried AA? Oh, I tried that. How many times I tried AA? It, it don't work. 
real. They don't work. No. Don't you see me now? I'm over. I'm, I'm going to work. Are you sure it doesn't work or are you sure you don't work it? So Lance tells me, and, I, and he ends up being my sponsor. He says, oh, you know, you can drink and go to AA, right? Now I know the objective is not drink. It's to quit drinking. So I get loaded over and over and I don't go. So Patty, and she used her whole name. She lives in Hawaii right now. Her name is Patty Maxwell. So she calls me. She says, um, did you go to a meeting yet? And I was like, oh, no, I'm going to go tomorrow. She's like, oh, you're just full of, you know, S-H-I-T. She says, where you live at, I'm coming to your house, and I'm taking you to a meeting right now. Oh, no, 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 no. And I'm telling you guys, this is the truth. I was embarrassed and back into AA. I didn't come here because I wanted to. I was embarrassed back. She told me she was going to come and get me and take me. And I knew I was smelling like a reeking, stinking drunk. And I, my son even said, Daddy, you know, you smell, you know, because I was brought up around a bunch of Italians and they hug and kiss and all this stuff. And I go to hug my son and he's like, you stink, you know, and he's like, don't hug me, kiss me, you know. So what happens is I went to a meeting the next day, 15 years ago, and I really think it was around my birthday. And you guys told me, you said, get phone numbers. And I done that years ago. I ain't call nobody. You know what I'm saying? If I did, I only done it because I just did it. But I didn't do it because I wanted to. You said to get a sponsor. Lance was my sponsor. You told me, to get a home group. I got a home group. And you told me to get a commitment. So remember about the phones? My friend Lance, I call him up and I says, Lance, I says, you know, I keep calling you over and over and you don't even answer the phone. I says, what if I get drunk? He says, then you'll be drunk. I says, but hold up. I says, you, you're keeping me sober. He says, I'm not keeping you sober. I says, yes, you are. He says, no, I'm not. I says, but you're never going to drink again. So I says, then I won't drink again. He says, you can't tell me what I'm going to do. He says, you know those phone numbers that I that you got and stuff? He says, how many of them are you calling? I says, well, you know, one here and there. He says, well, I want you to call three every single day. Three every single day? Yes, three every single day. I says, Why? He says, I want you to get a, a network of people to where if and I relapse or if I die or if anything happens, that you have all these other people. But why do I need them? Just do as I ask you, please. So I did that. So now this telephone here probably has about, what, maybe four or five hundred AA people in here, you know? And the thing about it is that I keep on getting to know more and more and more. See, this program, how it works, is that it really doesn't need a whole bunch from you because, see, it's all laid out. Normally, I would have the big book laying around here with me because I like showing it to people. I had a friend, he hung himself. His name is Frankie. All my friends, best friends are Frankie. I don't know why, but he hung himself. And he used to talk out of the big book all the time, but he used to be drunk all 
the time. And he used to try to time his drinking. And he worked for the post office and he was found asphyxiated, you know, new, so forth, so on, however, years ago. But when he used to talk to me about the big book, I used to be like, why is this guy keep talking about this stupid damn big book? You know, what's so great about a big book? And I says, and the crazy part about it, it's not even a big book. It's a small blue book. And years ago, it was really a big book. But the point is that I'm trying to get across is that when I got back in this time, I was in a big book study group. And with this big book study group, what happened is that I started learning about AA. And like in the doctor's opinion, he says that you cannot take out better insurance than working with another alcoholic. There could be an altruistic way that two alcoholics or more can get together and we might find a spiritual remedy to this, you know. And believe it or not, I'm going to tell you guys, I, when I was in the foster home, I was brought up in the church, you know. You went to church seven days a week. For anyone, and please don't anyone, because that's where, you know, the agnostics and all that's in the big book, read about it, okay? But I'm not a religious person. I, I'm a very spiritual person. Do I read the Bible? Beyond a doubt, I do. But it says right there inside of that book, it says, how can you love me who you don't see, but not love you who I do see? So I love you, and you're part of that higher power that I believe also in that other higher power, you know? And I just strongly believe that within this program, you guys brought me back to the spirituality part because when my brother got murdered, I cursed God. The World Trade Center went down. I was like, oh, here you go again. I said, you want me to get on my knees and pray to you while little babies are getting raped, while women are getting beat to death and killed, while wars are going on and so forth. Oh, hell no. And I don't like curses so excuse that. But thing about it is, is that as I stayed here and as I started to learn more and more and more, you guys told me that it could be a God of my understanding. You see, this right here is a God of my understanding, this group of drunks. And that other higher power that I do believe in, that I choose to call God, but I'm not a person that, you know, go to church on Sunday thinking of who I'm going to curse Monday, you know, or rob Monday. I just am not that person. I'm the person that... This is who I am. And if I can help you, I will help you. And I will do the best thing that I can. And like, if you look at, and I'm not trying to bounce from one to six, because I used to be a notorious two-step of one and 12. And if you read your, you know, 12 and 12, it's going to tell you in the 12th step about being a notorious two-stepper, you know, thinking you got one and then going to go out and save the world. That was Larry Stolberg. And let me just tell you something. I saved no one, not even my own self, okay? But the point is that I want to get across to you guys is that when you come in here, and if you really want to be an asset to this program, just come in and, and easy does it. When they put the think sign upside down, think, 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 take it easy. Give yourself a break. When I was coming on tonight, I wanted to wear this shirt, but it's ripped up. And on it, it says, do not let someone get comfortable disrespecting you. 
And that means even yourself, you know? And we were disrespecting ourselves. We were treating ourselves like crap. And then we turned around and I heard someone recently saying how he's working with the guy and the guy's wife gets on the phone arguing with the guy, telling the guy that you stop lying to the guy that you're talking to. You got what I'm saying? And in this program, that's why they wrote the part to the wives. Sometimes we have to show other people what we're doing, especially the ones that's closest to us. And a lot of people feel that we're cultish. We're, we're not. We're not a cult. We're alcoholics. And what really made me like get in, ingrained here and really want to be here is Alcoholics Anonymous number three. I don't know why I read that. You know, he's the guy that they say where they went to the hospital to get someone and the lady says, oh, yes, we or whoever. The director of the hospital says, yeah, we got a real corker back there. He blackened a couple of nurses' eyes. And I don't believe in hitting women, so that's not why. I took an interest in him. I took an interest in him is because they were talking about their recovery. And he's like, oh, I can't stay sober that long. And they said, we didn't actually stay sober that, like that. We actually stay sober today. And can I tell you guys something? This is the truth. Why did I understand that? And it, I want to hear something even kind of corny. And I usually try to bring a little humor into it. It's just that today I'm a little on the beat side, right? But, you know, listen to this. It took me until my seventh year to realize that my problems in the first 164 pages. That's how bright Einstein was. When I was in my fifth year, because that's why I recommend to people, please read 12 Steps and 12 Traditions, which is sponsor however you do it. But don't read it and think that, oh, now I read it and now I've done the Steps and Traditions. It don't work like that, so... Figure it out. Work with your sponsor and they'll tell you what to do. I was boy that meets a girl on AA campus. So I met this girl. My sponsor said, leave her alone. Leave her alone. Don Juan, I'm not going to hurt her. I'm a really nice guy. Don't you worry about this. Leave her alone. All the elder statesmen, leave her alone. Two years into the relationship, she dumped me. I didn't drink. Didn't drug. I wanted to die. <laughs> I never in my whole life ever hurt so bad. <laughs> and if whatever you don't listen to in here, trust me, you'll pay for it. And I'm not trying to scare anybody. I'm just giving you the truth. Does relationships work in AA? Yes, they do. But when you meet a person that's just coming new into the rooms and you're an elder statesman or even, I'm not an elder statesman, I only got 15 years. I believe elder statesmen are 20 years or more, but that's my opinion, you know. But you don't do that to a person that has one or two years, you know, or very short time, 30 days into AA. And I wasn't really looking for a relationship, but I was very lonely. And when she left me, I really thought I was going to die. I didn't think I could get through it. And guess who got me through it? You did. You did. 
I've seen people lose their kids, overdoses, killed, and, you know, one guy got killed right on Zoom. But you know something? You guys get us true stuff. We work together. We are a family. And I'm going to tell you something, and I mean this from the depths of my heart. I don't believe that I could be okay to any degree without you. And some of you might say, or I know Earthlings say, well, why do you feel that way? 14, 15 years, sorry, a day at a time, to some people is a long time. To me, it was 24 hours. Because see, let me just explain this to you, and this is important. All those 15 years belongs to you, the show that AA works. Today belongs to me. And I'm going to celebrate today because today I could be gone tomorrow. The way they worked me today, I thought I was going to be gone today. But my point is, is that enjoy your days. Take and grasp today and hold on to it like it's your last day that you're ever going to be here. Because with us, we have to smash the idea like it says more about alcoholism, that we're like other people, because we are not. And I had a guy, and I'm going to wrap this up in one second. I had a guy that kept coming to our meeting. Theo might remember him. I'm not going to break anyone's anonymity, but he was coming in here to see if he's an alcoholic. If you're in here wondering if you're an alcoholic or not, you should really be in an insane asylum because you can find another place to find out what's going on with you. Because if you're in here, you've got to be an alcoholic. Because who the hell would sit up in a meeting for an hour, a lot of days in a row, and I mean I do a lot more than an hour, to, to wonder if I'm an alcoholic? If you are in here, there's something wrong. Just think about it. You know, and I'm not trying to be anyone's psychiatrist. I'm not trying to be anyone's guru or anything. If you're in this room, you're in here for a good reason. And I will just tell you that the elder statesmen in these rooms, some of them are a little bit boastful about their time. Me, I just will always tell you guys, if I'm still even alive 10 years from now, whatever, I stay into today. Any of the years and all that belongs to you. You made them possible. But today, I'm going to rejoice with you guys because guess what? Today, as Mike Monty puts it, and a lot of people know him, especially Lori, says it's your day anniversary. And I truthfully believe that. I believe that all that we have is today. I'm serious. And I know that a lot of stuff's going on in the world and so forth. And I just would ask the people in here, please pray for the people in Ukraine, you know, and that we can find peace within ourselves to keep ourselves comfortable. I'm going to read this last thing to you guys. And Lori knows because I write stuff and Lori's like my little sis. So is Theo. But I wrote this today. Self-worth is knowing you don't at times. Well, excuse me one second. Self-worth is knowing you don't know at times and not belittling the fact that you don't know. 
and accepting when you do know and not making yourself out to be spe so special. Everyone struggles in the world. No one is immune. Take your licks and also enjoy your success because you are doing your best always. And please never forget your value as a person. You are not above or below anyone. You are the best version of you. And that is satisfactory to me. I accept you as you and please accept me as me. We are both very important to one another always, just as we are. Namaste. Thank you guys for letting me share. God bless you. And if I made a drop of sense, somebody wave at me. <laughs> Love you guys. <laughs>